Good morning, church. So good to see each and every one of you. Welcome. And uh, those who joined us online, we want to welcome you as well. We are celebrating the candle being lit today, so let's celebrate. <clears throat> we uh, at Brandywine celebrate, light a candle and celebrate when somebody gives their life to Christ uh, through our uh, circle network connection. Uh, Shelly helped lead Jay to Christ last week in our Wellspring ministry here at Brandywine. Let's celebrate with Jay. And we've got a couple of global mission reports for you here. Uh, some of our partners, uh, Pastor Jim Flood and Pastor Mark Tab, continue to train pastors every week in Africa and uh, very focused in uh, the country, Eastern DRC, Pastor Gene Pere uh, Mapimdu. I probably butchered that, but it sounded good. Uh, <laughs> did an evangelism outreach event. They had 63 people receive Christ. So let's, let's celebrate with them. Over the years, we have had a partnership with uh, some missionaries in, in India. And of course, Pastor Guna has been here uh, to Brandywine. They recently hosted a, a vacation Bible school and had 3,700 kids. That might throw Pastor Ethan right over the edge if we had that many. Uh, but they witnessed several hundred children make decisions for Christ, and we just want to take a moment and celebrate with them. Here at Brandywine, we have several different men's ministries. One of those is Fight Club, and um, they baptize, helped baptize Jeff this week. Let's celebrate with Jeff. Beautiful. All right. Well, hey, uh, just a little another update here. You probably noticed as you came in, if you came in the, uh, uh, the driveway of our large parking lot, there's a new driveway right parallel next to it. Um, and uh, we announced to you uh, a new development was going to be coming our way about a year and a half ago. We mentioned that. And uh, we want to give you an update. We're excited to welcome our new neighbors that's going to be coming. Over the next 18 months, they'll be building a, a very large new senior living campus right next door to us in our backyard. It's an over $50 million campus with over uh, 240 apartment units. Uh, half of those will be for assisted living, which will include a memory care. Uh, the other half of the facility will offer independent living apartments. And so we're excited about the new ministry uh, opportunity this is going to present to us here at Brandywine, having so many new residents right in our backyard. All right. A couple perks that come along with the, the building, the company that's building these, uh, the developers have offered to tie in to our existing uh, walkway. We have uh, blacktop walkways that we can take your dog for a walk or bike or whatever. Well, it's a 40-acre campus, and they've offered to put a circle clear around that. So we'll have a large uh, blacktop walking circle path. And uh, a second perk, and one for safety reasons as well, we'll eventually be sharing one big driveway, one big grand driveway. They'll, they'll be doing away with ours, planting seed in our old one. And then uh, all of us will be using one much larger, grander driveway uh, called Community Drive. Uh, they let us name it. And the developers have offered to purchase 
for us a church sign uh, at that new interest. So we're excited about that. I'm, I'm thinking, I told Kathy, I was thinking, you know, not too far in the future, I'm going to pull into this new driveway and instead of turning left to come into Brandywine parking lot, I'm just going to turn right and move right on into independent senior living. <laughs> All right. Get me a golf cart and come back and forth. And <laughs> well, hey, we're, we are in part four of our teaching series on heaven. And uh, there are a number of folks uh, who really don't like to talk about death or afterlife. And you may be one of those. But the truth is, you don't really die. I mean, did you realize that? It's true. The Bible says your physical body will one day cease to exist, but you will never cease to exist. All right? The Bible tells us that you and I are going to live eternally forever in one of two places in heaven or hell, the Bible describes. And Pastor Matt took the more difficult subject last Sunday um, while I went on vacation. <laughs> Some friend I am, huh? So, uh, uh, but uh, didn't he do an awesome, terrific job on that topic? Uh, one, yeah. One of the best uh, I'd ever heard on that topic. And I, I'm thankful, I'm so thankful to belong to a church that doesn't skip over certain topics in the Bible just because they're difficult or unpopular. Amen. Uh, and you know, as, as followers of Jesus, we need to talk about what all all aspects of what happens uh, after we die. And uh, I'll, I'll tell you why that's so important. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. You might want to write that down, but what you believe about eternity will determines what you live and how you live today. If you believe that you're just an accident, if you believe that there's no God or, and there's no eternity, then you're, you're going to just live a selfish life, right? Uh, a life driven for the pleasures uh, of whatever time you have left here on this earth. And everything's just going to be for about now. Everything's for now. But if you believe that you were created by God for his glory and that this life here on earth is not it, and that, you know, yeah, we're here 70, 80, 90 years, whatever God gives us, but we're just passing through. And we're going to spend a whole lot more time on the other side, in eternity, a place called heaven forever, the Bible says. And if you really believe that, that's going to dramatically shape the way that you and I live today. What you believe about eternity determines how you live Today, Well, I have a much easier topic uh, than Matt had last week, and this is a very pleasant subject to talk about. Uh, it's something that you and I as followers of Christ can look forward to, should look forward to. Uh, today, we're going to look at what the Bible says about your eternal reward, your eternal reward in heaven. Um, I've never taught a whole message on this before, and, and so I really enjoyed uh, over the past several weeks learning more about it, and I hope you will too. All right, our text is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. If you want to follow along, uh, they'll be up on the screen, or you can follow along in your church app, or on the bulletin you're handed coming in. 
All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, Paul says, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. And, and this phrase here, he will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during, during your time here as temporary residents. We're temporary residents. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for tremendous hope and encouragement in which your words here from the Bible about eternity gives us as, as followers of Jesus who, when we understand and when we embrace them as truth, uh, so much so that we're able to live with great expectation. We just read, for what is ahead? Uh, and Lord, your word explains how we are just temporary residents. This is not it. We, we're just passing through here in this, in this world. And so thank you, Father. And we want to embrace this. What we believe about eternity determines how we'll live today. We invite you to open up the eyes of our heart. Teach us not to live for just the here and now but to live for the things that will last. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen, amen. Well, hey, the, the, the text we just read here says that at the end of our life, at the end of this life, every one of us is, is, will either be judged or will be rewarded by God. And here's something that may be new to you, maybe not, but the Bible teaches that there are two different judgments, two different judgments. Uh, the first is called the great white throne judgment, all right? The great white throne judgment. And that is only for non-believers. That's what most scholars believe. That's what I agree with 100% that it's for non-believers. Um, John had this vision from God in Revelation 2011, and he said, and I saw a great white throne, the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Now, what is the lake of fire? That's what Pastor Matt spoke on last week. If you didn't, didn't hear it, go back and listen online. You, you won't regret that. What is the book of life? Well, the Bible says anyone who recognizes that they have fallen short of God's perfect plan, have sinned, and they were in need of grace and forgiveness, and we turn and begin to live for him, that we, the Bible says we are saved by grace, the grace of Jesus through faith in him. Hallelujah. And here's the good news. The Bible says the moment that we call out to God, we humbly cry out to him, 
to save us that your name, my name, your name is written in a book and it's called the book of life. And uh, that, it's the Lamb's book of life. And once your name is in that book, man, you're his. You're a child of God forever. And so this great white throne judgment is, is not for believers. It's only for the unbeliever who refuses God's invitation. And why would anybody refuse his invitation? I don't know. Uh, he, anyone who refuses to accept God's love, the, the God who loves them, they refuse to accept his, his forgiveness and grace and enter into a, right, a relationship with him. And by the way, that's by their choice, not God's. It's by their choice that they refuse God's invitation. God did everything in his power to, I mean, he, to save them. He sent his only son to die on a cross for them. He was patient, providing multiple opportunities to reveal himself to them. But out of whatever reason, arrogance or hardness of heart, they chose to go their own way, do their own thing. Okay? Uh, so the first judgment is for the unbeliever. Um, but the Bible talks about a second judgment, and it's for the believer. Now, I know when you think about judgment, you, you automatically think negative, right? Ooh, I don't know. Well, this is something you go, yeah, all right? This is good. This is something to look forward to. The second judgment is called the judgment seat of Christ. And it's something, again, uh, that we can look forward to as, as, as we read there in our text with great expectation. Looking forward to this day. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He's talking to the Corinthian believers, and here's what he tells them. He says, for we, who's we? Christians, we Christians must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body on earth, whether good or bad. So what is the judgment seat of Christ? Well, it comes from a Greek word, the word bima. Uh, bima, say it with me. Bima, all right? You just learned some Greek. Uh, the bima is taken from, um, he uses the analogy from a Greek Olympics, okay? And uh, what is the bima? Well, the bima, after a race, the winners would come before a judge uh, who would stand at the bima or sit at the bima and the judge, what do they do? They give out the rewards and say, here's the crown. Here's, here's the reef. And so the Bema seat is not a place to judge whether or not you qualify. That's not the purpose. As a believer in Christ, you're already qualified, right? I mean, Jesus took care of that on the cross. And the moment you called out to him to be saved, then he says, you are saved. And, and so... Um, the Bema seat is a place to say, hey, we celebrate the fact that you finished the race. Well done. You remain faithful. Okay? It's a place that you will be rewarded for what you have done. So it's, it's very important to understand that the judgment seat of Christ is not a place that you'll be judged for your sins. So... This is where Jesus is going to acknowledge you. This is a time of celebration. And the, the rewards are handed out. You, what you did here on earth is going to be rewarded, the Bible says, in heaven. Now, some of you are going, okay, pastor, 
you're confusing me. Well, I'm sure I have. But uh, I thought, and some of you go, I thought you said we're not saved by works. Well, that's exactly, I, I shared a whole message about that on Easter. Um, Pastor Paul talked about that in our series here in heaven. Uh, Pastor Matt mentioned it several times. That, and that's, that's true. You and I could never, ever get to heaven by doing good works. Are you with me? We are saved by grace, the grace of Jesus, and by the grace of Jesus alone. Listen carefully, though. We are saved by grace, but we are rewarded for works. See the difference? You might want to write that down. We are saved by grace, but we are rewarded for works. Now, let's talk about our motive here for a moment, because that's important, too. Why would, well, we've got rewards coming. All right, what's our motive? Our main motive for doing things for, for the Lord should never uh, primarily be so that we can just get a reward. No, that's, that's not why we do it. Everything that we do for God, we should do out of what? A heart of gratitude, out of a heart of love because of what he's done for us. Jesus forgave me of my sins. I didn't deserve that. You know, he transformed my life. I didn't deserve that. He made me a new creature, a new creation, and he forever changed me from the inside out. And now, because of God's grace, I don't have to work for my salvation. No. So what's my motive for doing good works for God here on earth? Well, it's out of a heart of love, out of a heart of gratitude. I want to live for him. I want to do good works for him. Um, let, me, let me give you an example. Wednesday night, I attended an appreciation dinner, a thank you dinner for all of our workers in Awana, volunteers uh, who help out in our Awana program. Awana is a wonderful discipleship program for children, and we've had it uh, ever since we've opened the doors here at Brandywine uh, in this facility for the last 18 years. And so at the end of the evening of the thank you uh, um, dinner, Jeff Weiland, the leader of Awana, gave out pins and gifts to each volunteer who served uh, over the past straight nine months. And now they get a, a little summer break here. And he did it just to say thank you. Thank you so much for giving your time and your, 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 your energy and your love for these, these children. Some of, the, some of these people ser have served 14 years straight. Uh, Jeff Weiland served ever since we opened the door 18 years straight, just voluntarily. And, and so, um, by the way, why don't we just take a moment and say thank you to every children's worker that is part of Brandywine here today. Thank you so much for all that you do. Great is your reward in heaven. And these gifts and acknowledgments uh, that, that Jeff gave out at the end of the evening, they were right and they were good. But none of the volunteers that were there that night were, gave every Wednesday for the last nine months. I mean, and you got to think about this, you know, after work, some of them are tired and they're thinking, oh, I got to, Juan is here already. They, they get in their car and they drive over here. And, but none of the volunteers gave up their Wednesday night every night for nine straight months for, for these gifts and acknowledgments. 
you know? What was their motive for serving? They did it out of their love for their children so they could, many of them could know Christ, many of them could be discipled out of their love for, for the Lord and out of gratitude for what God has done for them. That was their motive. And that is how we need to look at our reward, eternal reward in heaven. That's how we need to approach our reward in heaven. So what will, be, what will we be rewarded for? And what will be judged by? Well, let me share with a few of those with you. Uh, here are six things God will reward. All right, six things God will reward. Number one, the Bible says that you will be rewarded for being insulted or excluded because of Jesus. Okay? Um, because you were insulted or ex excluded because of your faith. Um, maybe you're at work and, and you're one of the few believers there. You're the brightest light in your office and everyone else at time, you know, you, you get pushed back, you, you get laughed at, you get made fun of, uh, but you're faithful. And God says, great is your reward in heaven. In fact, let me read it to you. Luke 6, says, God will bless you when others hate you and won't have anything to do with you. God will bless you when people insult you and say cruel things about you, all because you are a follower of the Son of Man. Some, uh, so when this happens to you, be happy and jump for joy. Why? You will have a great reward in heaven. There you go. So I just want to encourage you as your pastor, continue to be that light in this dark uh, sometimes depraved world generation that we live in. Cling tightly to your courage in those um, times that are difficult, sometimes awkward, uncomfortable moments because the Bible says, great is your reward in heaven. Number two, the Bible says that you will be rewarded for what? For loving your enemies. When you love your enemies, you're going to be rewarded, the Bible says, in heaven. We're talking about graduate level love here. All right? Are you with me? I mean, it's easy to, to, to love people who treat you nice. It's easy to love people who love you, right? The people that like you, think like you. But there's no reward in that. That's easy to love. But what, how about loving those who uh, don't treat you very good? In fact, are very hurtful at times, treat you badly. How about the people who are nothing like you, who think completely different than you? What about those who vote different than you vote? <laughs> uh, how you doing on loving them? I know I'm meddling now, right? I, I've noticed some, some people who are Republicans find hard to love Democrats, and some Democrats find it hard to love Republicans, and they're, and they're supposed to be Christ followers, and the Bible calls that a very immature, childish kind of love. That's not love at all, because you're missing a big picture, you know? You're getting stuck on elementary stuff. This is not why Jesus came to earth, and we're, that's not, and we're to follow him, you know? Uh, there's, that's not the mission that he has left for us, uh, and there has never, ever been a better time I want to say this, to grow up and become kingdom-minded and to begin to love people who are different than us. Amen? Yeah. 
I need those amens every once in a while because it's so quiet in here. Yeah? All right. But we only get rewarded for graduate level love. Jesus said, love your enemies, do good to them, lead, uh, lend them what, without expecting to be repaid, then your reward from heaven will be very great. Number three, third thing the Bible says we'll be rewarded for is tending to the needs of others. When you tend to the needs of others, you'll be rewarded in heaven. Uh, Jesus said, you comforted me and I was sick. You gave me food when I was hungry. You gave me water when I was thirsty. He used this analogy. It's like, you know, when you, when you serve somebody like that, you're doing it for me, as if it's me. God says, just know it did not go unnoticed when you tend to the needs of others. Um, Matthew 10, 42, Jesus said, if, if you give even a cup of water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. And you know what may seem like a small act of service to some will not go unnoticed with God. So we're rewarded for tending to the needs of others. Number four, the Bible says you'll be rewarded for seeking God in prayer and fasting, for prayer and fasting. And so if you had a struggle, have struggled in the past with having a daily quiet time with him or practicing his presence throughout the day, this is, this is for you, all right? The Bible says God sees us when we take the time to acknowledge him and to commune with him and, and come before him to pray and to grow in our relationship as we talk to him and, and we listen to him through his word and, and we also pray and intercede for others. We are gonna be rewarded. Great is your reward. Number five, the Bible says you'll be rewarded for giving to the Lord. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Uh, you didn't have much maybe, but you always gave. The Bible says you'll be rewarded for your faithful giving. First uh, Timothy 6.18, check it out. Tell people to use their money to do good. They should give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. By doing this, you'll be storing up, and here Jesus uses this phrase many times, you'll be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. That's what they'll be doing. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And they will be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well. So Jesus often talked about this principle of storing up treasure, treasures in heaven. And he actually uses it the phrase six times in the Bible. And I, I don't know about you, I'm thinking, anytime Jesus says something six times in the Bible, it ought to be all ears, right? I mean, pay attention. And, and he's actually reinforcing the principle I'm trying to share with you today to get across, that life is not about storing up things here on earth. That's not what life is about. Life is about storing up things in heaven. And Jesus said, stop storing up treasures for yourselves on earth where moths and rust and destroy and thieves break in and steal. Instead, store up treasures for yourselves in heaven. And that just makes sense, doesn't it? Why? Because we're going to spend a whole lot more time on the other side in heaven, right? I mean, we get what? Some of us get 70, 80, 90 more years on this planet, and then we're going to leave everything else behind, all right? 
But the treasure you send ahead, man, you can enjoy that in heaven for all of eternity. And so, how do we, how do we store up treasure in heaven? And how do you send it on ahead? Well, let's talk about that. Uh, I'm going to give you three different funds, and these funds, they're all biblical. They don't say it like that in, this, in the Bible. They, they don't call these funds. So this is my own wording. The Mark Wright paraphrase, all right, here we go. But uh, there are three funds that we should invest in here on earth so that we can yield eternal dividends in heaven. Uh, what's the best place to invest? Well, the first one is what I would call God's global fund. God's global fund. And this is when you use your money to share the good news to bring people to Jesus. And this is so biblical. Luke 16, 9 says, I tell you, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcome into eternal dwellings. Now, a lot of folks have no idea what that verse is saying, right? What it means. Is it saying that you can buy friends? No, that's not what it's saying at all. Uh, it means that God wants us to invest in things that's going to help people get into heaven, all right? And so that when we you get to heaven, that you will be able to, they'll welcome you there. That's what it's saying. It's the greatest investment of your life to give uh, so that the gospel can be, continue to go uh, forward and, uh, to the ends of the earth. And that's why our mission statement here at Brandywine is to reach those who are far from God and to lead them to be fully devoted followers of Christ. It's, it's why we celebrate the candle each week. You know, First uh, Thessalonians 2 asks this question, what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord when he returns? It is you. Yes, you, those of you th that we've helped lead to Christ, uh, influence for Christ, are our pride and joy. So I believe this with all my heart. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. It's his mission. We're to pick up his mission. There is no greater investment you can make than helping people come to Jesus. Amen? amen. All right. I appreciate those two amens. <laughs> the first one is God's global fund. The second is what I call God's treasury fund. God's treasury fund. When you give money to God as an act of worship, and this is, this is so biblical as well, anytime we give as an act of worship, this is what I would call the treasury fund. Maybe there are times when you didn't have much at all and the amount doesn't really matter, but you always gave, you know? Some of you just tithe faithfully through the years. Uh, Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord by giving him what? The first part of all your income and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. So it says the first part of all your income, that's what? It's your tithe. 10% of your earnings, you give back to God as what? An act of worship. That's what it is. It's a part of worship. For hundreds of us, every week we come here and as, as an act of worship, we give to the Lord. And God says, your giving will not go unnoticed, both here on earth and in heaven. Sometimes he blesses 
and he does. He blesses us on this side of heaven as we give, but not all of it. Uh, some of it we send on ahead, and we're, we're going to see more in heaven of those re the reward. When it comes to tithing, God says, test me in this. See if I will not open the windows of heaven for you. There it is, that word, windows of heaven. And I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Whether it be on this side or the other side, you're going to be blessed. The third fund is, is what I would call God's benevolence fund. And uh, God, did you know this? God makes more promises in the Bible about giving generously than anything else. So it's really easy to find these all through Scripture. But the benevolence fund, that's what I would say Matthew 19, 21 is. Jesus said, give to the poor and you will have treasure, treasure in heaven when you give to the poor. The bottom line is this. You will be rewarded for everything that you have given away. Are you giving away your time? You're going to be rewarded for that in heaven. Are you giving away your energy? You're going to be rewarded for that when you step foot in heaven. Are you giving away your money? Then you're going to be rewarded for that. Number six, the Bible says that you will be rewarded for living for God's kingdom rather than for your own kingdom. Living for God's kingdom rather than my kingdom, your kingdom. And how do we do that? Well, there's this phrase that's helped me to try to live this out every day. And you know what that phrase is? I try to filter everything I do, especially when, I, when I, my roots want to go down into this world that we live in, and there's gravity. It's always, bring, it's like, oh. And then I think of this phrase, it's not about me. It's not about me. Say it with me. It's not about me. Yeah. That is the main theme of what anyone who's ever lived their life fully devoted to Christ, that's, that's the theme of their life. That's the theme of the Apostle Paul's life. And he says it in so many words, he doesn't say that exact phrase, but listen to it. At the end of Paul's life, he said this in, in, in 2 Timothy, he says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. What is it? That's, that's a not about me statement, right? I'm an offering poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful, Paul says. And now my prize awaits the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. Um, it was missionary C.T. Studd. Isn't that a great name? I wish mom had called me C.T. Studd. I'm C.T. Studd. You know. <laughs> but missionary C.T. Studd, he gave his whole life reaching people for Christ, spreading the gospel, three different countries in the world. I think the majority of the time was in China and in India as well as Africa. And... Uh, he had several writings and poems, and you probably heard of one, at least a phrase in one. He said this, only one life 
will soon be past, and only what's done for Christ will last. Isn't that true? That's, that's putting our treasures in heaven. And here's an easy, I think this is a myth, it's an easy mistake for all of us as Christ followers to make. You know, we think that, and you would think that as the longer we live and walk with the Lord here on this earth, the easier it would be to be e eternally minded, right? The longer we live here on this earth, as a believer, you would think, okay, it's going to be easier to be eternally minded. But that's not true. Why? Because there's an opposite force going on here. The longer we live on earth, the more our roots tend to dig into this world. You know, if you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old, our roots tend to just dig, dig into this world. And, and we find ourselves caring sometimes way too much about the things of this world because we've been here for so long. We find ourselves caring way too much about what people think, and that happens even when we're a teenager, we don't care too much what others think, rather than being obsessed about what God thinks. And we think about, um, we find ourselves caring way too much about comfort. You know, I went on uh, a, a week and a half vacation with my, my son last week, uh, I met him at Gulf Shores, and we both took our bikes, and we just, we just rode everywhere. But on my way down there, before I even left, I was thinking comfort. Let's see, I, I got this little pillow. I'm going to ride 11 hours. I, I'm taking my pillow for, I like for my bed, my own little blankie. You know, everything is comfort, all right? And, and here's what I found. The more comfortable my life becomes, the more comfort I crave. Isn't that true? And that's not good because that's, that's called storing up treasures here on earth. And, and the more we crave comfort, the less we are going to live for the things that matter most. Uh, so let me challenge you, church. We have to fight. We have to fight against the pull of gravity toward the things of this world. And the pull of this world is so strong and yet it's so temporary. And our day, one day our, our heart, my heart and your heart is going to beat for the last time, right? And at that point, there's not going to be any do-overs, all right? Uh, and that's why we've got to fight to keep the eternal goal front and center. You say, Pastor, what's the eternal goal? Well, Paul explains this to us. In, in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, what does he say? So whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to what? Say it with me. To please him. That's our main goal, our eternal goal. Our goal here on earth is to please him. That's what living a it's a not about me life looks like here on earth, all right? When it, when it, and when it comes to materialism, and the grip it gets on us. If you're going to break the roots and the love of this world so that you can live for what matters, man, you got to be intentional. Um, and I'm just going to share with you what's helped me and my wife over the years. Uh, you do with it what you want. But we've learned when it comes to materialism, uh, materialism is all about get, 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 right? And what's the opposite? Giving, right? 
we've learned to not stop with the tithe and just try to outgive whatever we gave last year to go above and beyond. We gave this much last year as I look on our tithe. Let's try to give more this year. Okay? Let's try to outdo it. And we give, we learn to give until we're uncomfortable. That's helped us. All right? Uh, whenever opportunities present themselves, like every once in a while we'll have things around here even, like our Giving to Christ for Christmas we did in December. And remember that last December here at Brandywine, we helped our partners in Brazil, our missionaries in Brazil, Pastor Telly, to purchase a seven-acre campground. And what was the purpose? The main purpose for purchasing that property was to use, they're using it regularly as a day camp so that over, get this, 20,000 public school kids can hear about Jesus every week. And I talked to Pastor Telly before we gave that offering and challenged all of us to give. And this is what he told me. He said, Mark, our economy here in Brazil at this time is so bad, our churches would only be able to give like 10% of what's needed for the total purchase price of the property. What did Jesus say? Give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven. Many of you did that above and beyond your regular giving, uh, giving to Christ. I mean, in fact, in one Sunday, we gave over $55,000 above and beyond what we normally give here at Brandywine. And of course, it's not about the amount that we gave. It's how, it's how we gave and how we gave sacrificially out of love and gratitude for the Lord and to get ourselves a little uncomfortable, you know, uh, so that our roots do not go down in this world, but we're giving treasures in heaven. So every time you give to the Lord, you are storing up treasures in heaven. So let me challenge you with this. If you find yourself more concerned at times with this world, whatever it is, sports, your education, which can be a good thing, but if that's just your main, if you find yourself just overly concerned about that or, or a bigger, better house or a, a popularity or a, the next new car or whatever, if that's just your biggest concern, whatever it is, cut the roots off to the things of this world. Don't give your life to the things that's not going to last, that do not matter. That's what Jesus is saying. You have one goal. I have one goal. What is that goal, that eternal goal? To please him. Because why? Because we're just passing through. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. I'm going to invite elders and life group leaders to come prepare communion. Would you bow your head with me and just for a moment, and as we do some really wonderful business here with the Lord. Father God, we ask you in the name of Jesus to give us an eternal mindset from here on out. To not give ourselves to the things that will not last. Things that are temporary. Things that when we get to the end of our time here on earth, we're going to look back and say, why did I give my life for those things? How many of you today would say, you know what, I, Pastor, I'm like you. I'm a Christ follower, and I, I feel the gravity and the pull from this world at times, but, but I don't want my roots to getting deeper in this world. I, I want to break those roots. 
I want to be more eternally focused in the way I live. If that's your heart today, would you raise your hand with me just all over the, the congregation? Is that your heart? I want to pray for you. Yes, yes. God, would you help us to live every day filtering through this thought that it's not about me, it's not about us. So Lord, I just join with my brothers and sisters in Christ here today and say, here's my life, God, and I want it to be poured out like an offering, just like Paul said, an offering poured out for you. I want to just please you. That's my heart. I just want to do for you out of a heart of love and gratitude for all you've done for me. So God, would you help us to change? Some of us, Lord, we just saying, I want to turn and begin to live this way with the eternal perspective to keep focused on what is going to last. Thank you, Lord. And if you're listening online today or you're here today and you have never received God's forgiveness and you're saying, man, that's exactly what I need. And today you can leave uh, your your computer, your television, you can leave this, this church today knowing that you are forgiven and that you've received his love and grace in your life. It doesn't matter how dark your life is. It doesn't matter how much you think you've done wrong. The Bible says when you call in the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And you know, I realize that we've been in this series in heaven for four weeks and as your pastor, more than anything else, I, I, I pray that you'll become, number one, eternally focused on what matters most, not on the things of this world, but on things that's going to last. And second, I, I, I want everyone to have assurance, assurance of knowing that when I die today, I don't have to worry. Man, I, I'm a child of God. I'm, I know where I'm going to spend all of eternity. And if you don't have that assurance today, I want to help you. You don't have to come talk to a pastor. You can, but you don't have to. Right here today, all you got to do is believe in this promise out of Romans 10, 13. This is his promise. He said, everyone, who's everyone? That's you. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You say, that's, that's what I want, pastor. I want that assurance. Well, you pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I trust you. Just tell him in your heart and mind, I trust you and I give you my life today. I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to be my Lord, my Savior. I invite you, Lord, to fill me with your spirit so I can live for you and follow you and fulfill the goals to please you because that's all I want to do. Break the roots that hold me to this world. Help me to live for you. My goal is to please you in all that I do. So I give you my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Can we celebrate God's goodness and grace? Yeah. If you're watching online, if you said yes to God today, there's a box right there next, next to the picture. Um, Check that. We'd like to send you some information, a new believer's Bible to help you grow. If you said yes, you're here today, stop by the yes table. 
And uh, we've got a gift for you that's gonna help you get on your journey to grow. We wanna celebrate with you. We're gonna take communion right now. And when you take communion, when you take the bread and a cup, what are you doing? You're saying, thank you, God, for sending your son to die on a cross for me, to pay a debt that I could never pay for my works. It's a gift. Thank you for the gift of salvation is what you're saying. And when you take the cup um, and the bread, you're also saying, thank you, Lord, that you're coming for us. You're coming back for us soon for your bride, the church. Now, uh, you can uh, do it several ways. You can come forward and get what I call the good bread uh, because it's a lot better than that cardboard stuff at your pillow. But uh, you can do either one. And we, we spend time around um, kneeling in the presence of God. Or if you can't kneel, you can go back to your seat. What I tell you is your pastor, I love you. I'm so thankful to be a part of your life in this journey. The altar's open. You come.